All right. Hey, Kanji. Hi, everyone. Hey, Alex. how are you doing What's today? Happening? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. Looking forward to this discussion. We've got we got some interesting stuff, kind of a, a bit of a serious topic, but a really, really good one that can help a lot of people. And that's something that we've been working on is, is helping some children and some families with some special needs. So excited to get into this. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So today we are going to talk about AI and educating neurodivergent students. So Kanji, can you just kind of explain that a little bit, like what neurodivergent students are and how that, how language models, learning language models can help? Sure. So neurodivergence is, it's an interesting terminology, right? Like what is normal? So anytime that somebody's going to try and define normal becomes a sticky situation or an interesting conversation. But that being said, let's focus in on what neurodivergence is. So neurodivergence, uh, traditionally, you're talking about kids that have uh, just kind of a different way of thinking. And it's not just kids, people that have a different way of thinking uh, in such a way that they are easily distracted. Uh, or it, they are dyslexic. So the uh, information that they're visualizing is coming in, uh, in in a different way. So the processing becomes uh, a little bit more challenging. Okay. And so how can uh, well, le le language model learnings um, or LLMs, how can that help in a situation like that or in a case like that? Oh man, this is such an incredible tool to be able to utilize something like this. So uh, anytime that we're parenting or educating our kids, what we're looking at is like, how do we tailor and personalize the education in such a way that they're absorbing the education or the information that we're presenting to them such that you know they feel confident about it. So there is this, this confidence piece to it. Uh, and ultimately they are growing mentally um, understanding how to process the information. So with LLM, specifically with neurodivergency, what we can do is, is focus in on what are those things that are interesting to particular students? What are the things that are interesting to people that draw us? I think we're all naturally drawn to specific things in our life. So if we can identify what those are and, and with specificity, eh? Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> we can input that information into uh, an LLM or a chatbot like ChatGPT uh, to tailor the responses and the the learning materials specific to that child or that person that we're trying to educate. So I gotta ask you because I know the question is probably out there. A lot of people are probably saying ChatGPT cannot do that because a lot of people aren't experiencing any kind of interaction or connection with ChatGPT. So can you explain a little bit like how we're able to do that yeah. or how people are able to do that? Well, and the people that are saying that, they're right because they're not using the right inputs. So it's like holding the wrong end of a hammer. And you're not you're using the tool correctly. So what we need to do is be able to educate folks on how to hold the right end of the hammer. So the inputs that we're utilizing really guide how the uh, the LLM is processing information. So with that said, um, we have to be able to set up the persona correctly with the skeleton model, right? The objectives that we're trying to do, the, the guardrails, and then 
chain prompting it so that we're we're not overloading it with too many questions that are obscure and sometimes unrelated. So we're being very methodical about the information that we're, we're inputting and having it uh, present the materials in such a way that it it knows what we're asking specifically and it can answer those questions with specific answers. Really interesting. I know one of the families that you worked with last week or this week was um, creating a persona in ChatGPT to help a dyslexic a family with a dyslexic child uh, to better kind of interact with the curriculum at school. So could you kind of just review that a little bit and, and what is possible and what you're able to do and how that how the student yeah. interacted and enjoyed doing that? Well, and and we really enjoyed actually working with, with this family because it's hard. There's no right answers because there's no book. One, there's no book in parenting. If there was, whoever wrote it, millions and billions of dollars, right? Because parenting is hard. So that being said, it multiplies when um, you've got a neurodivergent child that you're coming at it from a different perspective. The, the reactions to the world and how they interact with the environment is um, not, and, and I, you know, it's not typical, is not the exact word that I wanna be using, right? So it's divergent. So that being said, what we did was we took a 10,000 foot view of the situation. So we're really looking at who's involved, where are they involved, what are the, what's the environment that's happening to first different learning situations or um, outbursts, emotional outbursts. I mean, we all have emotional outbursts. Emotion, the kids have emotional outbursts. And, and how do we deal with that pre, during, and post incident? And by that, I mean, we, should, we need to, to take these into bite-sized situations and be able to articulate what we're expecting to happen or what we want to happen and what is happening and then figuring out what is the differential in those variables and how can we not manipulate them, but how can we utilize that information to educate all stakeholders, whether that be the parent, the child, the teacher, the sister, the brother, the friends in the family that are trying to assist with um, help raising, because it does take a village, uh, a child that has neurodivergence. You guys can't see Kanji, but it, Kanji is really passionate about this and you should see his face. He's like super serious, but super excited. And uh, he loves talking about this. And it, it's amazing to see what Kanji's been able to build in the personas and, and help the families. We've, we've done a couple uh, the past week or two. So um, so how does that translate into helping a, a child with special needs and, and learning at school? So once yeah. you know you get that set up and it's working, so in language that I can understand, how does that how does that help a child? Yeah, ultimately, it comes down to confidence, because if a, if, a, if a child can believe in themselves, then the education becomes something that's achievable. It's no longer out of their reach, and there's something quote unquote wrong with them. There's frustration with any time anybody is faced with an obstacle where they can't do it and everybody else can. So when we bring these materials in such a way where they're relating to it and we find their interest, and that's what we do is we really focus in on like what, what captures their focus, what captures their interest, and then manipulating the materials in such a way to deliver it within that 
that that um, what am I trying to say here, Alex? Within that modality of interest, right? So let me let me give yeah. you an example. Um, uh, one of the students that I'm working with is really into Greek mythology, but has uh, the attention span. It's a good of subject. Probably, yeah, but has I'm an Greek, attention so span. I like, like that 10. subject. <laughs> Uh, who has the attention span of about 10 minutes, which, um, so what we did was we, we were able to trans translate the information that we were trying to teach her. And this was just the utilization of an LLM through Greek mythology and astronomy. Wow. So it was, it was really tailoring it and, it, and she lit up the confidence was there. And then once you know, you can do it, it just becomes becomes something about doing it again and again and again yeah. and that confidence just builds and builds and builds well we've seen that kind of a, a little bit on a different level with the kids in the kids academy when you know they start teaching them about chat gpt and personas and they're kind of interested and then when they start applying some of the things that we're teaching them and they see the results that it's not just a simple answer we've seen like wonder and amazement and even they verbally would say wow i can't believe that happened so it really is when it's set up correctly and used correctly and and um you have that kind of education on how to use it it really is amazing and it does things that we had another case where somebody who's familiar, we worked with another family this week and they were familiar with ChatGPT and AI and you could you know, answer questions and then after we set up the persona and helped uh, them with their daughter, they, they were just shocked at you know, the interaction that was possible and the results. And again, it's always anything with AI right now, if you get a, a fact or you get something that is uh, important, you always got to fact check it. So just because the internet, or in this case, AI tells you to do something, always, always fact check it to make sure. Don't kind of blindly follow it, but it is a very good tool. Yeah. The, the, the question and answer and the, the two-way communication that, that's possible is really phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, that brought up a good point. So I was working with, with a, a student that was really into manga, and um, what I had her do initially was just have her educate me about it because she was so knowledgeable about it, I asked her to put in some questions that she thought that it might not know the answers to. And she was like, that's wrong. And I was like, good, tell it it's wrong. And it would come back and it would apologize when it was wrong and it would fix her the response. At the end, she was blown away. She was like, that's pretty good. I was like, yeah, all right. Now let's go on to the next section where we talk about something that you're not as familiar with, but we do need to double check it. Now that you know that sometimes it doesn't give you the right answer, and it sounds really good. Those are the things where it, it can spark that passionate curiosity. And how old was that that student? She that was a freshman in high school. Okay. So I mean, that's that's still that's an amazing interaction with a you know a young student, young child to be able to learn about that and learn how to use it properly and, and get that interaction and, and then be amazed at what what's happening and be interested to continue on. That's what we saw also in the Kids Academy is it it went from just kind of typing in a few things and reading the screen to really wanting to interact with it because it started coming back. And because they, you know, we teach them to uh, be specific with specificity and we teach them how to correct it and, and all those different steps, they start correcting it and it starts learning and throughout the conversation gets better um and in, and if with younger children too you can 
you can narrow the scope of the persona so that it, it, it's not going to kind of go off track and bring in other information. You can kind of limit it to the scope or the, the topic or subject that you want to have the, the child interact with. So it's that's another interesting feature that you can program into a persona. Yep, absolutely. And the other thing that you bring up is a good point that there should be an adult in the room. Um, helping to navigate these conversations. So the collaborative platforms that you and I have talked about before, like ChatABC and TeamGPT, uh, the uh, updated API just came through, I believe, on August 18th, such that um, you can just now put 4.0 into these. Um, and it, it, it might be cost effective for families as well. And, and I know uh, we should probably spend a session walking people through how to utilize something like that. But that being said, I'm putting my family onto it so that I can see what they're inputting in there. And there is a level of trust. There's a personal folder that they could go into there and be able to do that. So it's like checking your kid's phone for their text messages, right? Like you just exactly, have to build yeah. that trust. Um, but that way, there is a collaborative platform where we can go in and actually prompt together. So they could put in a prompt and then I could go in and say, well, let's try this. So um, and it's it was your idea, a wonderful idea. We use it for the students in our class, and I continue to um, evolve that good idea. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think we we haven't really talked about this too much, but we are going to launch a kind of a weekly newsletter just with some some interesting and important facts about AI and ChatGPT and, and generative AI tools. And um, I think that one tool, the Chat ABC tool that we have, the collaborative platform, um, I think we'll probably give away one of those those subscriptions. So uh, you, we'll give it away to one of the subscribers that come up. Oh, that's awesome. It's very generous yeah, of us. Uh, there's a deal. There's a, a deal where you, you pay for it once, so we pay for it. And uh, you still have to connect a... Uh, uh, open AI or chat GPT API key. So you'll have to pay for the usage, but the actual software, there's no subscription fee. And um, if you, unlike the paid chat GPT uh, subscription, that's $20 a month in order to kind of use chat GPT to get to that $20 a month, you have to send millions and millions and millions of characters. So uh, if you actually just go direct and have the API, you can do a lot and it's probably going to cost you $5 a month. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, so, we should probably help set it up as well then, because again, you don't want to hold the hammer on the wrong end of the, the tool. So. <laughs> so we'll get that out soon and uh, we'll offer that as a sign up, sign up bonus to one, one of the subscribers. I dig it. I dig it. Let's circle back. Bring me back to um, neurodivergence. Neurodivergence. So what, what about um, for high school students? Because I know you talked about working with high school students. So how, what's the relevance with high school students and how can they, use a tool oh man this is a hot topic everywhere right like <laughs> artificial intelligence is both the batman and the joker that it's the good guy it's the bad guy and it really is it comes back to like how are you utilizing these tools and how are we infusing ethical utilization from us to our students so that being said let's talk about the good stuff um, and then we'll talk about the warnings. But the good things about this is it, it really can open up that passionate curiosity. It opens up avenues and aspects about materials that we're educating our kids into, into and it branches out. It, it can go from chemistry to physics, from physics to kinetics to kinesiology, right? Like all of this stuff can somehow relate to it. And it leads you down this rabbit hole of information in a good way such that the kids are getting very curious and they're putting together their information. Now, 
That being said, we're not naive in saying that kids haven't been trying to utilize this as pass off um, work product as their own, right? Like, yeah, you've run into that. You've run into that, right? Like, so, so tell me that from your perspective as a parent, what one, what was your first reaction? Well, I've been in since ChatGPT came out. I've been in, involved in it pretty early on. Um, so, I think you know, I was interested, or I was happy that uh, my son was interested in doing it. Again, everybody thinks, oh, or my, you know, my son and and children all think, oh, it'd be great, and I it can do my homework. And that was one of the first things, like when we started teaching them about personas, I was like, oh, can I can I write a paper with this? Can I write my assignment with it? So I think it's just important to uh, again teach proper usage and responsible usage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is coming up there. Um, I didn't even tell you about this, but I help with a foundation that has uh, scholarships that go out for uh, kids in rural Colorado. And that being said, there's a there's an essay piece to that. And the discussion now is coming up is like, how do we pivot? If how do we know that or how do we utilize our knowledge about what is capable with AI to ensure that we're getting a full picture from from these applicants, these scholarship applicants. So I don't have the answer right now. I'm, I've got some questions out to other foundations, but it is one of those things. It's a talking point. It's a discussion point that we need to have because I don't want to discourage it by any means. But at the same time, I want to ensure that the utilization of it is done in the right way. It's ethical and it is instilling the education that we want to be educating our kids about. Yeah, some of the things that I've seen in in groups that I'm involved in, the teaching groups, is um, again, some people completely want to ban it and don't want to use it at all. Other teachers and institutions are are very interested in it and want to incorporate it in the learning process. And I I think it's it's definitely not going away. So I think kind of the concept that seems to have the most traction is that encourage teach children how to use it properly, responsibly, encourage its use to do research, come up with ideas come up with thoughts and use that information to to complete your paper or your assignment but then as part of that assignment include the prompts include the responses from chat gpt so that the the teacher can see what kind of the thought process was mm-hmm. what they asked how they asked it what their response was if they did any kind of chain prompting to correct it and then that way it's very transparent that ai was used and how it was used and it's also a learning tool because teachers can see if their students are using it correctly or not. Again, the teachers need to learn how to use it correctly, but then they can they can say, hey, you know what, this is how you used it. And, you know, you, you didn't correct it when it was wrong. You just kind of took the answer so they can have a have more dialogue and teach them how to use this tool that's not going away. And the better that people learn how to use it, uh, the better off they're going to be going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you're in all of these groups on Facebook about education, because there are so many teachers that are willing to utilize it on their side. So and I think the next step is now, like, how do we utilize it collaboratively? Uh, And I love that idea of showing your prompts when you have your work product so that we can see the the thought process of the the kids. Um, And you could utilize GPT to evaluate the GPT responses right? To be able to say, oh, well, this was incorrect. Yep. And this was maybe the thought process that could have went somewhere else and start these discussions. It'll also give the kids the ability to, or, or the skill sets to articulate their learnings. Because no longer are you just putting things on paper, which who knows who's holding the pen? You know who's holding the tongue. They have to be able to articulate that themselves. 
Um, and I and I get it, like that's going to lend itself to a lot, you know, other kids aren't able to articulate it as well. But at the same time, we need to pivot and evolve how we're evaluating the education that our kids are absorbing, as well as the materials, because learning is 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 like anything else. It's evolving. And this is one of those pivotal moments in society where we're going in a different direction. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we kind of like we always do, veered off track a little bit. So maybe let's bring it back in again <laughs> okay. so we can not have a five hour podcast for everybody. But um, so going back to students and neurodivergent students, what are some of the typical challenges they face and how can uh, chatbots help that? Yeah. So neurodivergence refers to kind of the variations in the human brain regarding like sociability, learning, attention, mood, and other mental functions. Right? And it's a concept that opposes the idea of normal brain. And I'm going to put that in quotes. I know everybody can't see me, but these are my, my air <laughs> quotes. There is there is no normal. There is no normal. And it, it includes a spectrum of conditions, um, in which uh, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, uh, and, and more things like that. So again, the way that this can assist these types of students is really taking their ability and what they do focus in on to make the material relatable to them. Because a lot of times the educational material is is uh, unrelatable to them. And if it's unrelatable, then it's uninteresting. And if it's uninteresting, then it's not going to keep their attention. And there's uh, without their attention, they can't get educated. So going back to the yeah. root of it, if we can make it relatable and interesting in such a way that the material is delivered through those interests, then it becomes a, a much more achievable uh, educational moment for them. And, and, and it'll boost their confidence. And one of the things that's really interesting too and helpful is it it's a tool that's available 24 seven. It never stops. You can use it mm -hmm. whenever you want. Um, what are some of the other kind of continuous support features of having an LLM set up properly to work with a student or a child? Yeah, it's the tone. So how people communicate, it's not just what they say, it's how they say it. So we can change the tone of how these tutors are, these these tutors, these persona tutors are interacting with the kids. And again, it goes back to their interests and, and becomes relatable. Um, and they're infinitely kind. They're infinitely patient because they don't have the same types of emotions and impatience that um, most people have. What it's also a nice feature is, you know, building out the persona, you can you can specify the age or the grade level of the student yep. and the interaction matches that that level. Yeah. So it's not like you're setting up something and you're getting a university type of response, level of response for a middle school child. Mm -hmm. You can have it yeah, adjust it, which is really neat. So it, again, it, it helps, I think, uh, make a connection with the child and keep them interested too because they're some you know they're being spoken to at a level or communicated to at a level that matches their matches them yeah and and the skill sets are not just for the kids it's for anybody that's assisting these children because you have to increase your level of objectivity like how are you seeing the world you have to increase your ability to articulate your awareness of not only yourself but of the, your child, your student, or your friends, kids, like you're really getting introspective here and being able to articulate that and utilizing that in a very formulaic way to, to help students. And ultimately that's what we're doing. That's great. So that le leads to a couple of the personas that we created this week 
Um, could you just give us a couple of examples of you know what you worked on and and how how the family uh, how the family interacted with it and what their response was? Yeah, and so working with um, uh, the parents to create this was a lot of fun. Uh, you were in the room and, and it was a lot of good banter and 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 I loved having you in the room, your expertise to really um, bifurcate or separate silo the the personalities because when we were talking about it, I was like, well, we can do this and this and this. You're like, hold on, like there's the clinician, <laughs> the therapist part. There's also the different part that you want to look at from uh, the different stakeholders. And you were smart into doing that, right? Um, and I think what they saw was us collaborating as far as like, not one, giving them the basic structure, but then chain prompting and collaborating on that chain prompting to, to give answers. And I think that was the most fulfilling thing is it's so frustrating when you don't know what to do, not just for the child, but for the parent. And you just want to help. You just want to help and you don't know how, and nobody's yeah. got the answers because it's difficult. It's an unknown territory. But this gives us possibilities. At least it gives you a strategy to start giving something to react to for the parents. And they were grateful. Uh, and I was grateful just being able to be in the room and, and watch that magic happen. Yeah. And what was, what was really nice to see, too, is, you know, when the one of the calls started, you know, the family was is having difficulty just kind of understanding what the problems are, how best to deal with it, how to get help. Um, even when seeing specialists or doctors or therapists, like having the right questions to get the most out of the out of the the session or, or um, the meeting, and then by creating the persona and then interacting with it a little bit, those things started to become apparent. So it really, whether it's it's for this case that we're talking about, and we've done some things for medical kind of review and and consulting and what's really nice about it is it, is it on your own time and your own kind of safe space where there's no right answer or wrong answer and no one's judging you you can ask whatever questions you want you can get the information and then when you do go out to see a doctor or a therapist or uh, a teacher or, or you have a meeting at school you are you can be better educated know the questions that you want to ask and just advocate for yourself or for your child a lot better i think not yeah. that people don't do that but i think it's just a tool to help you do that maybe a little bit better and get the information that you you want or you need yeah and in, in one case you know the parent was just having difficulty finding the help uh, that was appropriate and and this kind of was opening the door to some suggestions and some avenues that could help so it, it was really nice to see that it's good you know it makes you feel warm and fuzzy it really does. It people. was like <laughs> the fuse, that question that, that lights that fuse that just sparks this firework of other questions that come out. And it's bright and it's beautiful. And I think you're 100% correct in that just even knowing what questions to ask is a comfort in and of itself. And so we had GPT yeah. put together a questionnaire that she can ask various different um assisters uh assisters meaning like uh, therapists or you know um pas or teachers that are working with neurodivergent students yeah and, and this kind of setup with personas and using chat gpt and ai is, i mean it's not just for um 
neurodivergent children or for tutors. I mean, you can use it for anything. You can use it for, you know, if you, just for yourself, for uh, you know, to be better informed for a medical visit. You can use it if you're going to uh, see a lawyer or you're going to see your accountant or tax planning or financial advisor. You can set up personas with any kind of expertise to answer your questions or help answer your questions. So it's, that's pretty cool. You can have, you know, an expert in your pocket whenever you want 24 seven. Yep. And that's where it comes back to neurodivergent kids because it needs to be tailored. Absolutely needs to be tailored. And so being introspective and being very observant on how our interactions with neurodivergent students is happening um, is super effective in, in uh, formulating and creating those personas. So I think we kind of run on a little bit, so maybe good time to start to wrap it up. Is there anything that I missed that you you wanted to discuss a bit? No, that was fun. That was uh, the shoe was on the other foot. Yeah, you had some big shoes to fill. Goodness <laughs> gracious! To follow you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good. It was fun, and it was. Um, you're right. I was very animated and excited about this because it is something I'm very passionate about is is educating our kids. So nice um, to see. I so do you, you bringing this up as the, the topic this week. To leave off, do you have any any tips on how educators and parents can maybe explore this a little bit more and 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 if they're interested, like what they can do to to better learn about personas and AI and how to use it? Yeah, just don't be afraid of it. I, and it's something that's a tool that can be used to help yourself and your family. And as parents, we do anything for our kids. So this is one of those anythings that, that I encourage everybody to uh, at least explore and see it, um, what yeah. is available to them. Um, as far as, as, as next steps, I would say follow Alex. Wherever he's at, he's got information. We've got tools that we can be able to provide folks. Um, and, and we'll put that out there. Probably put some links down here in the, in the podcast as well. That's great. Great conversation. Great subject. Uh, Good to be able to help people. Thank you, Kanji. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks, Alex. All right. Bye. Bye.